Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning for your presence that is with us, always with us. We thank you for the anointing of the Spirit. We thank you for the angels. We thank you for all that you have done for us and all that you are doing for us. But open our heart to receive from you this morning. Bless us. Cause our ears to hear. Cause our eyes to see. In the precious name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There is a dimension of the blessings of the Lord that grows with us. Some people think they don't have a testimony in their life. Because their testimony is not sudden. But th their testimony is growing. So they just feel that they should not be captured in the handouts of what God is doing. But God has blessed them. And that blessing that God has mated on them is as a result of his dimension of his presence in their lives. For instance, there was nothing significant about Obededom. There was nothing sodding about Obededom, but there was something significant about Obededom. And the Bible says, in three months, the Lord has blessed. Maybe when the blessing started, nobody was able to really capture it. But after the while, where I was is not where I am today. It is the Lord's doing. If you have that experience in your life, and you can categorically say that where I was is not where I am today. It is the Lord's doing. But because the person who came to share testimony the last time just shared testimony how he came to church and he went out, somebody just did something. That is a testimony that we love to hear. What about the testimony of the people who holds the presence of the Lord for like, for like three months and the Bible said the Lord has blessed. Even Abraham. What the Bible could say is that God has blessed Abraham round about. Meaning that it was, it was not sudden, but it was significant after a while. So some of us can, by this information, begin to track, oh, God has blessed me. God has blessed my house. I'm saying that so that you can appreciate a measure of God's working in your life. Because when you cannot appreciate a measure of God's working in your life, you will deny him glory and you will deny him further work in your life. Is somebody listening to me? Someone here, you are blessed. You have moved from a job of 20,000 to 60,000 to 100,000 to 200,000. If you look at your life in the past three years, we can say that God has blessed your house. He has given you children. That blessing is as a result of his presence. The ark was in the house of Abedadom. It was the major pointer to the causative factor of the blessing. It was because the ark was present physically. But the ark does not have to be present physically for God to be a blessing to you. For his presence to do the same thing that he would do in Obedidom's life. For instance, Abraham 
the Bible recorded that and God has blessed Abraham in cattle, in gold, but there was no ark. Are you getting what I'm saying now? Maybe I should do Bible study. You remember Obedidom? How many of us know Obedidom? It doesn't have a Twitter handle, but it's in the Bible. So it happened that when David was taking the ark to his place and then along the line, God got angry because somebody was not supposed to touch the ark, touch the ark, and God struck the individual and the individual died. So David said you should take the ark and go and keep it in the house of Abedinom who was living at the outskirts of the city. So Abedinom, of course, housed the ark. Who was believed, the ark was believed to be the very house of the presence of the Lord. And three months after, the Bible said God has blessed the house of Abedinom. Such that when David heard it, he said he should go and bring the ark. Because if the ark remains in the house of Abedinom, Abedinom may become the king. Because there will be more that will implicate everything Abedinom does. There are people that their presence in your life can implicate you. I know somebody that by prophetic insight will have died, but the person has not died. Something else is averting it. And because I know something is averting it, then I can... That life can be prolonged because you know what is averting it. So if you know what is averting it, then you keep doing what is averting it so that the life can be prolonged until that individual expires in the history, I mean in the plan of God on the earth. Is somebody getting me? So because the ark was there, they were able to trace what was going on in the life of Abedidom to the ark. But there were people in the Bible that had the same result even more, but there was no ark. What was the ark carrying? What was the ark carrying? The presence of God. And the presence of God in the ark had caused the house of Abedinom to prosper. So prosperity, fruitfulness, increase, progress, peace, were, or were the fruits or the implications of that ark. So now, if you take the ark away, and a new invention of the presence of God is in a man's life, and it can produce prosperity, progress, fruitfulness, and all of that, it shows that the presence is in the person's life. So with or without the ark, the presence is constant. Then we can see the impact in that the individual's house had flourished. I'm saying that if you look at your life in the past three years, you can see some things that God is doing. He shows, of, he shows his presence is in your life in a measure. You must learn to capture that measure and begin to appreciate. It is the reason the grace we have received have not multiplied. Because we want a sudden testimony. But the significance of God's presence is showing in the life that you have lived over the years. There are some people that is the presence of the Lord that is keeping you alive. You will have died. As a result of the family you were coming from, you are not supposed to be at this level. But somehow, the presence of God keeps evil away from you. All that they thought would happen to you. In my vision overnight, I saw an individual. The, what is happening in his life now is not what is supposed to happen in his life. When I looked at him, what happened to his father in my vision happened to him. But physically it was something else. His father was killed by a bike. 
I saw him today that he had a bike accident. <laughs> and his leg amputated. And I looked at him. We were together. And I looked at him. And I found out that what is happening in his life now is not what should have happened to him. And he told me it was that bike. And where he is now, he doesn't take back. I just want to tell him, don't go and start riding power bike, child. But, but, but I am saying that there are things that have happened to you. The things that have happened, that should have happened to you, that God's presence in your life in a measure. This is why thanksgiving must be our attitude. Because a man who is given to thanksgiving will always be in alignment with the will of God for his life. And know that there is more that is available to the man who gives thanks. Because the workings of God in our life comes in installment. God does not finish it. He starts it. But as we begin to show gratitude and appreciation to what God is doing, then God begins to install. He begins to install. He begins to install. Until people look at our life after like four or five years and they say, that individual is blessed of the Lord. And one of the things that the presence of the Lord does is that he gives us peace, rest in every area of our lives. So you discover that you have rest in an area of your life. You don't have rest yet. No, the presence of God is still working. It was with Abraham. Abraham was rich in cattle, was rich in gold, but there was no Isaac. But as Abraham began to know that presence, it happened that Isaac was born. Meaning that all the areas of Abraham's life where there was a question mark, everything had been resolved. Maybe out of five boxes you have been able to tick two, you must learn to appreciate God for the two because God will tick the third one, will tick the fourth one, will tick the fifth one. And at the end, you discover that God has given you rest roundabout. Because the presence of the Lord and the dimensions of his manifestation in your life also grows. Are you with me? Someone can come in and share testimony about receive breakthrough, healings, deliverance that God has done. That doesn't make you sitting down there out of God's plan. If you can think, you will find out that God is with you. In a way, it may not be as loud as that individual. But you must appreciate your own grace. You must appreciate what God is doing in your life. Look at the neighbor say, God is doing something in my life. And I appreciate it. There are ministries that when the pastor speaks like this, millions around the world listen. That's what God is doing in their lives. But when we are here, we are talking. A couple of people listen online. That's what the presence is doing. Now, it doesn't mean that the presence is not doing anything at all. God cannot be totally absent in your life. It's not possible. Even though the unsaved, he reigns. So, is God good to you? No, is God good to you? Oh, God has been good to me. Be appreciative. You can imagine only you wake up and you are dancing up for a job of 100,000. Meanwhile, somebody shared testimony of a job of 1 million. And you wake up for 100,000, God will say no. I, I have seen somebody who danced his way like that to start earning dollars. 
He was earning 40 something thousand there. He did psychology and was handling children with disability and stuff like that. So he would wake up in the morning and he would dance. And he would dance. He would play a song while he was preparing, you know, for the day. He would play a song. Every day he was doing it until the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Are you with me now? God does not only inhabit your spirit. He inhabits praises of his people. There's a dimension of God that you can import. There's a dimension you can export. If you want to import, what do you do? You praise him. Praise God. Can we open our Bible to the book of Psalm chapter 114? The book of Psalm and chapter 114. Now, it says, when Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah was a sanctuary and Israel's dominion. The sea saw it and fled. Jordan was driven back. The mountains skipped like rams and the little hills like lambs. What hail thee, O thou sea, that thou fleddest, thou Jordan, that thou was driven back? You mountain that you skip like rams and you little hills like lambs. Tremble thou earth at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, which turned the rock into a standing water the flint into fountain of water. The Bible says that the the Bible says the sea saw it. Say the sea saw it. Now, the Bible said the sea, the Bible did not say the sea saw the Lord. But he saw it. What was it that the sea saw? He saw God's presence. Do you know that if the president of Nigeria is coming here, you will see his presence, but you may not even see the president. You know it's possible. And when you see the presence of the president, you will discover that there are roads that you can no longer pass. There are armies and soldiers, DSS, security details, all of them positioned, helicopter flying, what you are seeing is a presence. And that presence, even without a statement from the Lord, or a statement from the president, would implicate everybody around. You will have traffic in some areas, just because the president is passing another area. So the sea saw it. When you carry it long enough, the things in your environment don't have to see the Lord. They can see his presence. The Bible says, and his name in the book of Revelation is the word of God, and the armies which are in heaven followed him. So the armies that follows him, they are the constituents of God's presence. Because the presence of the Lord always has a constitution. Here the Bible says the sea saw it. Poverty can see his presence and go away. Without the Lord saying anything, sickness can see his presence and go away. 
demons can see his presence in your life and go away. You don't even have to always deal with them. The Bible said the sea has intelligence to know who is on the way. Problems have intelligence to know the presence of the Lord. That is why it's important that the subject of God's presence is subject that we embrace and we begin to notice it. There are problems in our life that we will not have to address one bit. When the handkerchief from the body of Paul was taken, traveling over a distance, and the Bible said he was casting out devils. What were they seeing? What did the devil see? They saw God's presence that was carried over materials that have been implicated. And when they saw, they just because if you stay on the road on your own, have you had military people or police coming in Nigeria, which is unique to us in Nigeria, and they blow their siren, you just discover that you are living the way. If the president is on the entourage or somebody with presence, are you with me now? You just discover that you just, because if you don't live the way, your rear mirror may go for it. I mean, for those who are listening abroad, this is Nigeria. <laughs> You will just hear, bah, it has gone. You, if you are driving, you will just be making adjustment. What you are making adjustment to is not the president, it's not the governor, it's not anybody of significance, it's his presence that is ahead. So the Bible said the sea saw it and fled. It said, tremble thou, O earth, at the presence of the God of Jacob. Now, the Bible says when Israel left Egypt and the house of Jacob from the house of the people of strange language, he now told us that Judah was his sanctuary. And Israel was his dominion. The sanctuary is a place where the presence can dwell. But when the presence dwells in the sanctuary, it begins to influence what happens in every other area of your life. The Bible says Israel, everywhere Israel went, Israel became a dominating force. But the people thought that it was about the weapons and their strategies. No, there was a sanctuary. So, if you are a believer here, as it were, of course we are the sanctuary of God. But you can imagine, you don't have a place where the presence is cultivated. You will not be able to dominate enough. That, that, Judah was a place where the presence of God was cultivated. At that time, they had not instituted certain structures of priesthood. So Judah was the very priesthood of heaven. It was that place where the presence is, 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 is cultivated. If you see somebody dominating on the outside, there is a cultivating of the presence on the inside. He said, your father that you call in secret will reward you openly. That Israel part of you is where people and what people can see and touch. But the Judah part of you is that place that only God can touch. Christians, sometimes believers can be the most unrealistic, illogical being. If something happens to me, I don't blame God. Because I've been, I'm that logical enough. If you are still in that school of thought that something happens, you say, ah, and I've been serving you, you don't know this thing yet. I'm not saying things can happen to you and you, have, you ask questions, but you don't know these things yet. Because if you cultivate 
Judah enough. If you cultivate him inside enough, you will dominate outside. It is to the degree that you cultivate him that you dominate them. Even though greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, the greater in you must be cultivated. The Bible said Judah was his sanctuary, was his place of rest. And it is from that point that you begin to access wisdom. It is from that point that you begin to access power. You begin to access knowledge. You begin to access favor. Don't go outside seeking favor on the, that you have not cultivated on the inside. Believers, you and I are the most unrealistic. We are good at quoting scripture, but God is saying cultivate presence. Judah was his sanctuary. And Israel, that was how they carried God. That was their protocol and rules of engagement. So they didn't have to fight battles. Nations were submitting. The Bible says, and the dread of them was upon the nations round about, and nobody dared fought them. Even when they were resting, the king of Moab couldn't even access them. Why? Judah was a sanctuary. They had the sanctuary. You must have a place in your life where you talk to spirit. There must be a moment in your life where it is you and the spirit and God. As long as that place fails, you will fail to dominate. It's the logic and the sequence of things. For if you pray, he said, go to the door. Go to behind the door. Lock it. He said, call upon your father. He said, your father that you call upon in secret will reward you openly. It's the same principle here. Judah was their secret place. Israel was their public space. If you don't have a secret place where you cultivate the presence of God, you can't dominate in the public space. In wisdom, whatever you are doing, whether you are an architect, whether you are a lawyer, you are a customer case service, whether you are a comedian, you are an entertainer, you are a tech bro, whatever it is, you must have a place where you cultivate God's presence. That is the only sure way to dominate in this world. Is there greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? You, you can imagine that you decide and tell yourself that the next 30 days of my life I will cultivate the presence of God at least 30 minutes, one hour a day. Because you told Peter, can't you just wait for me for one hour? One hour. You just don't talk to anybody. And you just start cultivating the presence. Because it's a sanctuary. It is not a place for everybody to invade. It's a space for spirit to spirit to communicate. Where the deep calling onto the deep. It's an exclusive place. If you don't have an exclusive place, you cannot have an inclusive blessing. Hello. And this is not for pastors. This is for Christians. It is for believers. Judah was his word sanctuary. Now, we cannot go outside and something happened to us and we say, oh, why it happened? Maybe you didn't cultivate enough. Maybe the sanctuary is already dried. And the fire is gone off. It will affect. God told Joshua, he said, Joshua, now my, Moses, my servant, is dead, but I need to teach you the principle. Day and night, maintain the sanctuary. He said, if you can maintain the sanctuary by taking heed to the book of the law, 
and do what I ask you to do. He said, outside you will have good success. He didn't say, I will give you. He said, you will have it. So the way God designs success is not that he gives success. He designs success to be directly proportional to what you do. Lord, make me succeed. It's a waste of time. He said, you will make thy way prosperous and have good success. And have good word. Because it's not every success that is good. When the Lord finished creation and he saw all that it was good. Good, you can't say something is good without a comparison. You must be comparing to something. Maybe the blueprint. So there are successes that are not according to blueprint. So God will, you can say it's successful. But God is not saying it's successful. That was why he said, good success. Are we together? So one of the things that God does for us is that he gives us capital. Everything that God wants you to increase in, everything that God wants to give to you, he does what? He gives you capital. God will not start life without capital. Adam and Eve were capital that God had given to humanity that, okay, you're going to be fruitful, but I'm going to give you the capital. And God would always give you capital. The Bible says he even made trees that bore fruits that had seed to produce after its kind. God does not start life. He doesn't start anything in our life with capital. Everything that you, everything that you are supposed to grow in as a believer, God will give you the capital first. Faith, the Bible says he has dealt with us the measure of faith. Romans chapter 12 verse 3. Power. But as many as received to them, they give power to become sons of God. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witness both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and the utmost part of the earth. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and John chapter 1, verse 12. What about glory? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. From glory to what? You can't change from grass to grace in the kingdom. It's from grace to grace. There's no grass to grace story. It didn't start us with grass. All of us who have come into one with him have been given a measure of glory. You can only multiply what you have already. Yes or no? So, God always gives capital. It's an underlining principle that you guide our engagement and our work with him. So, in faith, in power, in glory, also in grace. Why are we looking at grace? We saw last week that grace is the reason why the presence of God must accompany us. I'm not saying should, must. The proof that you have grace is presence. God will not give grace without the accompanying components of grace, which is his presence. And Moses negotiated that when he told the Lord, and said to him that, how, he said, for wherein shall he be known here, Exodus chapter 33 verse 16, that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Is it not that in thou goest with us? He said, how can he be proven? So God cannot prove successfully that he has given you grace without a measure of his world presence. He said, how can it be? That we have, I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Is it not that that go away? It was a logical thing. So what Moses helped us to capture here is that to the grace of God is the presence of God. 
And what Jesus brought to us in the New Testament is grace. And all versions of it. <laughs> Paul said, I've received grace to be obedient, to make men to be obedient. So there are times you want customers to be obedient, there's a grace for it. He said, to, to make men obedient. If I preach to you and you are not obedient, it's because maybe there's no grace for it yet. <laughs> Paul said, he said, I have received grace as a wise master builder. There is a grace to build. But everything you want to do in the kingdom, there is a grace allocated to do it, to achieve it. And, of course, by the definition, when you ask us what is the definition of grace, we say it's an unmerited favor. I mean, maybe that is the capital. Unmerited grace, unmerited favor, that is the capital. But for every grace that you have thereafter, you have to merit it. <laughs> Hello, you have to what? Merit it. If you will increase in grace, look at your neighbor and say, you have to merit it. The one that you will not merit came, had been given to you as a capital. It's a confusion that many people have under the concept of we are under grace. Under grace means that we have come under the regime of grace. And in that regime of grace, it has its rules of engagement. But it means that you are going to start life here with grace. You are going to end life here with grace. All that you have to be doing under this regime is grace. When we came under the regime of APC in Nigeria, <laughs> we found disgrace. It's a regime. Somebody stay with me. So please be not confused and always define grace by that as unmerited favor. It will limit how much you can do with grace and how much grace you will access if that definition is all that captures your understanding or by your understanding. The Bible says, for instance, is that grace and peace be multiplied to you through knowledge. Does that one look like unmerited favor? Through what? Knowledge. So you want to increase in grace, then you go for knowledge. Not just any other knowledge, but the knowledge of God and of our Savior Jesus. Grace and peace. So somebody who has received grace is not multiplying it. And the problem of his life is multiplying. The mountains are piling up. Perpetual hills are increasing in stature. But grace is not multiplying, so he can't address them. John chapter 1, verse 16, what did the Bible say? And of his fullness, we have received, we have all received, and grace for, grace for what? Now, the underlying principle is here. Power for power. Glory for glory. Grace for grace. So God will start with you with a capital. He will give you a measure of power. If you use that power, you get more. He will give you a measure of glory. The Bible says if you use that, you increase what? He will give you a measure of grace. It's grace for... Grace for... The grace you have received is that you will negotiate for a higher grace. Even problems come in measures. The Bible says God will not allow us to be tempted beyond measure. He knows that there is a problem beyond measure. 
Meaning, this is the problem that your capacity can carry now. And you know that what is the problem to you is not the problem to another person. But to you, it's beyond measure because your grace is limited. But there's somebody here with a greater grace can handle that very easily. So, what is a problem to you and a mountain to the puppies that is in my house is a pushover for me. The difference is that we have different capacities. So, it's grace for grace. So, one of the things we receive of the fullness of Jesus as a result of his coming, dying, ascension, enthronement, and all of that is that he has given us grace. But that grace will not end there. We will use it to negotiate more grace. And I told you that if there was anyone who touched grace before it was commissioned, it was Moses. Before grace was officially commissioned, it was Moses. Abraham accessed the gospel before the gospel was officially commissioned. The gospel was preached to him. And I've said that it would be difficult for Moses to be a system of the law if he had not found favor with God. He can't use the law to institute the law. He must use another force to institute the law. Now look at Exodus chapter 23, verse 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up these people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me, yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. And thou hast also, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, If I have found grace in thy sight, Show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight. Isn't that funny? Have you seen it? And consider that this is the people. If I have found grace in thy sight, now show me thy way, that I may know thee, that I may know that, that I may find grace in thy sight. So it means I have received a measure of grace. I'm used to negotiate a higher grace. So it's grace for and grace must be must be accompanied by a presence of the lord so it therefore means that when you now increase in grace what increases in your life what increases in your life the manifest presence of the lord is somebody listen to me because there is no way we can sit back now and say that oh i want the presence of the lord to increase and manifest in my life and then articulate what and what to do. There is nowhere it's written in scriptures where we can fully articulate, but we can find how to increase in grace in scriptures. And when we find how to increase in grace in scriptures, hello, then we have found how to increase the presence of the Lord in our lives. The Bible says that those who have received abundance of grace, what did he say? abundance of grace. Abundance means that grace is measurable. Those who have received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in this life. All of us have received the gift of righteousness, which is a definite article, the gift of righteousness, meaning that that is given. It's the same measure. But it says abundance of grace. So you and I can have the gift of righteousness, but not have the same measure of grace. There are grace or graces that are unique to certain individuals. Paul said, you all are partakers of my grace. He was talking to believers. Some people are confused. 
When somebody, for instance, say, you know all these dispensational teaching, of course, I belong to this dispensational, but some people just cannot reason very well. They are so full of themselves. Now, somebody can say now that, of course, it's not that I do it, but I just want to make it clear here. And say, oh, the God of Adeboe. And say, no, don't pray in the name of the God of Adeboe. You, you can say that, and it can look like it's popular. But Paul was saying here that my God shall supply all your need. He wasn't talking about a general God. Meaning, as I have received a measure, and everything I say comes to pass, my God shall be the same people who are the same God. We are not at the same level. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Some people have, by reason of their work with God, they have touched things that have made God make certain vows over their lives. When they breathe, they are breathing energy. Life-giving energy. We are not all paying the same price. All of us have not had All of us have not had the same work with God. Paul said that even though we are seated with in heavenly place, he says, seek those things. Some are soft things. Where Christ is seated, why you are seeking things? Where Facebook is seated. It will not, God will be impartial. Hello? To now say all of us, we are not all the same. When they talked about Moses, God came to them. He said, if there were prophets among you, he took Moses away from the class of prophet. He said, if there were prophets among you, I would speak to him in visions and in dreams and similitudes. He said, but Moses, I speak to him face to face. You are not his mate. And they were all prophets. And they were preaching the same thing many people preach today. We are, we are not all equal. Some have done it far. They have gained Christ. Paul said that I may gain him. Meaning that even though you have him, you gain him by growing in him. Some have traveled. Their mileage is in nautical miles you can't measure from where you are. You, all of your own life you have used you for 40 days that he may find God. And you think you'll be the same. So when somebody said, I, I mean, the God of this... I don't, it's not that I do it, but just keep your mouth shut. You don't know. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. They may not know your father. They know some people. <laughs> are, are you with me now? He, he said, but who are you? The grace. Moses took the grace. And he went back to prayer. I said, this grace I have received. You said I have. He took everything God said. And that is what you do with prayer. You don't go to prayer and say the things that you just like. He said, thou art said. Hey, I have, thou art said. If God has not said anything to you, I don't know how you are praying. Because the Bible said, when you go to the place of prayer, he said, take words with you. He said, thou art said, thou art said, I have found grace. Now, show me thy way that I may find grace. He was looking for, Moses was seeking something Israel were not seeking. Are you with me now? They wanted food. He wanted God. That was not the same desire. They had different appetite. There was a man who had seen wonders. He spoke prayer. I won't see you, sir. There are ladies here in church that after service, I just say, how are you? But there are some guys that will go further. I say, can I have your number? 
Those who want to know to me, how are you? Good morning. But some of you have gone further. That was what Moses did. He went further. There are people that don't have their numbers, but you have their numbers in church. You know what? You went further. Because what you have received from Christ is grace for grace for praise the Lord. So the question is, how do I increase in grace? The Bible said those who have received abundance of grace, meaning that they have received it in, in, in excess. He said those are the ones that will reign in this life. We don't know in heaven, but in this life, you will need abundance of grace to reign. Praise the Lord. There is one sure way the Bible describes to increase in grace, and it calls it humility. Say humility. humility. The Bible says, James chapter 4, verse 6, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he said, God resisted the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. It does what to the humble? It gives grace or what? So he gives more grace. Are you with me now? There is more grace. There is what? More. Now, the regime of Christ has made available all the dimensions and grace measure that God will give to humanity. And that is why the throne upon which Jesus sits to administer the plans and the purposes of God in, the, in this dispensation is called the throne of grace. That's where we do everything we do. When you pray, you come there. When you are doing anything, you come there. This is the only one, throne of grace. Meaning everything that comes out of that throne, whether it is power, whether it is judgment, whatever it is, is, is as a result of the umbrella concept, umbrella dispensation, and that is grace. Hello? You have power in the Old Testament through the law, but now we have power through grace. It's power, but different dispensation. So God may decide to kill people in the New Testament under grace. It's not a law matter. Is same God, but this one is he, he, he killed them inside church when they lied. Amen. All of you, is God is he keeping you? By now, you you just discover that I just ask you questions. Why did you come to church last week? Oh, Pastor, it was work, you just fall down. <laughs> oh, goodness, God, we will wake you up <laughs> so that you will know that you have lied, you have died. <laughs> Next time, when we ask, you say, no, pastor, let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you the truth. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's grace that is keeping you. If God allows... Hmm, hmm, hmm. Praise the Lord. It will not be good that after service, we have ambulance unit. <laughs> As we are preparing, you know, we have OSHA. The ambulance department, emergency... Department, are you there? Amen. You just cover that. Church people just started doing funeral. All these. Uh, what is your business now? I supply coffin. <laughs> I supply coffin. <laughs> Amen. Look at the number. Say, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Now, how do I humble myself? How did the Bible prescribe that I should humble myself? Because. You can say you are humble and the Bible did not prescribe anything. Number one, pay attention to the word of his grace. Pay attention what, to what? 
The Bible says, Acts chapter 20, verse 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace that is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that were sanctified, all of them which are sanctified. To the word, word, to the word of his grace. The word of the grace is the word of the Lord, and that word carries grace with it. Some people, they are so full of themselves, they want to do things based on their own tradition, family tradition, and now they've always known it, but there is a word of his grace. And he says, my son, give me your heart. He said, pay attention to my word. Pay attention to what? It is your own word, your own concept. If you earn, and all you do with your money is to eat it, and you refuse to give to the Lord, if that is not the idea that comes from the Lord. It's, it's not an idea of grace. You are not humble. And let me tell you, the day Satan will come, he will have cases against you. People think Satan just do things haphazardly. No, Satan makes cases. And I've showed you what happened to Peter. Why Satan demanded to sift Peter like wheat. How many of you know? He was the authority over Peter that named Peter, Peter, I mean, see Simon, which means that is a reed, is non stable, shaking. And the parents who named him, they had an authority over him to shape his life by what they said. So when Satan wanted Peter, he went to God, and Jesus said, Satan has demanded. He, he, he didn't just come to attack. He had, must have argued it that, see, his own father, Lord, you are a righteous judge. You have said that the father has authority. You have designed structure like this. And his father has said he can never be stable. Now it appears that he wants to be stable. So when Jesus saw Peter, he had insight into household problem that Peter had. Immediately he saw Peter. He said, you will no longer be called Peter. He was, he was giving Peter the word of his grace. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So it was that word of his grace that Jesus used to negotiate Peter's conversion. He converted from the reed, from the one that is shaken, the one that is unstable, to Peter the rock. He said, when thou art converted, when you are no longer shaken, how did Peter arrive at that level where he was no longer shaken? The same Peter, they told him not to preach. He said, let's see whether we are going to obey you or obey man. This was a Peter who was hiding from a girl. Are you listening to what I'm saying? But the word of his grace changed him. Your, the, the way your parents named you, it shows that you will never be able to do anything. They called you Jacob. And God said, no, I need to rename you. But you said, no, that's the name that I've always known. I'm used to it. You are used to things that are making you to fall. You are used to ideologies and principles that are not working in your life. You should take the word of his grace. Yes, take the word of his grace. He said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. There are ideas. There are ideas of grace. There are concepts. There are ideologies. There are ideologies of, don't say, this is how they do it in my family. How can they be telling you that everybody in your family, nobody gets married until this age? That is not the word of his grace. You go and find the word of his grace, then that grace will be released into your life. The Bible says, when thou hast found it, he said, your expectation will not be cut off. He said, there is a reward. And that reward is grace. God enables you even though you are five in your family, all of them are suffering the same collective captivity, you are different because grace has come to you. And the grace enables you. The devil will do so much in your life and give you so much information so that you can think outside the word of his grace. The Bible says, who had believed our report, and to him is the arm of the Lord revealed. 
I know against any doctor's report that I will live long and I will live in health. The word of his grace. Because he took my infirmities. My infirmities. So that does not mean infirmity will not come, but he took them. So it, when I recognize infirmity, then I remember the word took them. You may not know the word of his grace until something comes to afflict you and raise your consciousness in that direction. I know that I will be wealthy. I, hello? Because one of the things that the, the mystery that of Christ in me has brought is wealth. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, although he was rich for your sake, he became poor, that you through his poverty, you become rich. All versions of riches. Does poverty look like something that glorifies God? It doesn't. And I'm built for his praise. I'm built for his glory. That is what the, what the word of his grace says. So that is how to begin to invite grace in your life. Number one, pay attention to the word of his grace. Look at the number say, pay attention to the word of his grace. What did God tell Joshua? He said, pay attention to the word morning and night. Morning and night. The thing that 90% of all of us here pay attention to is Instagram, Facebook. What is on somebody's mind, not is what is on God's mind. Facebook has a place. What's on your mind? You now feed the world. You feed the intelligence of the world and everybody starts feeding on what's on your mind. Warp thoughts. Thoughts of captivity. Imagination that should be brought to the obedience of Christ. Imagination that should be cast down. That's what the Bible says. They're bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Why? Because it is in Christ that you find grace. Don't let the devil limit you with concepts, with ideologies that you cannot do more than you are doing. Sometimes Satan will put people around us and they will speak words into our lives. And that was begin to shape our thinking, shape our thoughts, shape all the things that we do. But there is a word of his grace for you that you must accept. And with that word, if you meditate and that is your contemplation, it's a matter of time. The grace will find expression. The Bible said it is able to build you and to give you. The word will not just build you. It will also give you. It will give you opportunities. It will create circumstances around you that will make business and jobs and offer to come to your table. The word will do it. What you call lucky, the word will create the opportunity. It is a word that has capacity to do that. You will find yourself in places that you never thought. You will see yourself ordered to places that you have never imagined. You will receive calls that only God could have orchestrated if you accept the word of his grace and allow that word to build you and so that he can give you. Because if he does not build you, he will not give you. Look at your neighbor say the word of his grace. The word of his grace. So pay attention to what? The word of his grace. Hallelujah. I'm going to say one here and the remaining I'm going to continue on Wednesday. Number two is prayer. Number two is what? When the apostles had problems and then they were threatened. You know, when they were threatened that they should no longer preach, they now went to their company. You know why they went to their company? They were truly threatened. In, the Bible may not document how they were afraid in a measure, but their response to the situation showed that they had some concerns. As things, 
you know, unfold in your life. Are there situations that is now giving you concern? The apostles had their moment. They were told not to preach. They were beaten. They were warned. And these were not people. They were warned by authorities. They understood the consequences. They would be jailed, killed, maligned. I mean, all kinds of things would happen to them. The Bible said they returned to their company and they told their company all that happened. And when they did that, what did they do? The Bible said they went to prayer. Your own challenges, you only put it on status. And you start quoting things. You have had six breakups. None of them is resulting into marriage. And all you put out there is that you start quoting Instagram people, nameless people. That should give me one of those quotes. Men has come. No, I mean, we now know that men are not come because your father was one. Oh, he's one. So we know you don't believe it. <laughs> You're just trying to abuse somebody. <laughs> Hello? But the apostles had concern. They didn't go to status. They went to their company. Do you have a company like that? That when things happen to you and you share it, then the next thing you are talking, I say, let's go seven days fasting. Even if you will not do seven days, but that's what you're talking about. He said, let's put it to God. My wife has one. And I found out that if she has anything, she, I mean, they have, even in their business, they have one day of the month that they dedicate to prayer. And they must do it to, whether the person is here physically, the person is abroad, you will see them, and they can be there hours still praying. And they are lawyers. Do you have a company? God made them in twos. There is another version, there is another person that God made to accompany you in this journey. It does not necessarily mean your spouse or your partner. But as a friend, but all of your friends, you have spent time gisting and gossiping about gist lovers. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And the Bible said, when they had finished praying, it said the place where they were was shaken. And the Bible said, with great power, gave the apostles to witness, and great grace was upon them. There was grace, but this time around, when they it said great grace was upon them, that was what Luke discovered that something began to happen to them. But it was after that prayer. It was after that prayer. It was after that prayer. The Bible said where they were was shaken. And it, it did not only affect them, it affected everybody around them. The apostles had a dimension of power, but everybody that was available, there was great grace upon them. But they called upon the name of the Lord. Sometimes prayerlessness is pride. That you can do it all by yourself. That you can think it through by yourself. That if only you can get a job, you will be okay. That if only you can, somebody can just, you, you are just thinking you can do. Is the reason you have not prayed. And prayer did not stop you from calling, making calls. Prayer did not stop you from asking. Are you with me now? Prayer did not stop you from doing the things that you are doing now in absence of prayer. Prayer doesn't stop them. But pray first. You're a business person. Do you have that time of the month that you dedicate to prayer? Or that time of the week that you just caught up? You find a brother who is also business people. I don't know what people do in church. If you can't find a prayer partner in church, somebody that will inspire you, that can easily steer you to prayer, you can't find it as a believer. And you are 10 years as a believer, 
then you, we should question your salvation. Because God sent them in twos. Mean there is. But how would you find a person when you are not a prayerful person? All that you ask people for is data so that you can upload. You say, Man, I'm not online, I'm not online. And the, the next, the, the only time somebody called you is to say, have you seen what today I not post? He said, no, 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 I'm coming, I'm coming, I'll check it now. Don't worry, we'll just after. And you are, I mean, you are quick to check it. Today that his head is not. <laughs> what about God? You are laughing. But if you live here, you cannot look at the brother and say, you know what? Let's take one day. One day, just one day of the week to pray. The Bible said they went, and all of us here have concerns, like the apostles. Bills are, are threatening us. There is something that is threatening me now. I've only known that my way is, is prayer. So I tell myself, if I can do three days, I'll be fine. Because that is what I have known. And I know that if I don't do it, is it that the problem prolongs or I suffer? Sometimes I say, if I can do three days now, I'll just... I met somebody and he was talking about, he said, I looked into the mirror and I saw my tummy and I told myself, I'm going seven days of fasting. They don't have to appoint fast for you to fast. Appoint for yourself. As a family, take one day out. Are you with me now? You have a sister who is a Christian. You have a brother who is a Christian. Gather them and pray. You don't have to do much, but be consistent even with 30 minutes. God will hear you. And be like Moses, who took the word of his grace that God told him. And he took it back. When he wasn't, he wanted more. He, he took it back to God in prayer. You have said in your word. You can't hear me pray and not quote back to God. Whether what he said to me or what he said in his word. Because how will he hear me? And I believe when I tell him what he told me, he hears me. I say, you have said in your word. 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 It is said. It's been said. Because, and, and there, are, there are levels to this, it is said. There is, it is written, and there is, it is been said. It is said. They are not the same. This thing that is written is one, but there is one that has been spoken to you. <laughs> are you with me now? But you can start with, it is written. After all, Jesus quoted, it is written. When he got to a place, he told the devil, it is said. This is now personal. It's not general word that has been given to everybody. The Lord said in his word in Joshua 1 verse 5 that as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. It is written, but me, I can go to God and say, God, you said. Are you with me now? Paul saw some things in scriptures and he went to God and said, you have made me light to the Gentiles. Isaiah documented it. Paul was quoting it as it was personal to him. The day you start taking those scriptures personally, you will change your language in prayer. From it is written to you said, you said to me, you said to me that he made them twos. How can I be and not have a partner? After all, the Bible says you made them two, meaning that you made me two. I don't care what the statistics says. I don't care what the demography says, but you made me two. Let me have it. If others don't have it, it's their own cup of tea, but I'll get my own. So Lord, where is the other one? Where is the other version of me? God, he said, concerning the works of my hand, command ye me. Father, let my other one show up. He parato fezuzia ekoto engraduva zizesa. Is somebody listening to me? 
That was how the apostles increased and moved from grace to great grace. Did you hear great grace? The people who just talk about grace and don't understand, they don't know what they are saying. There is a great grace. There is a word? You will have great grace. This church will experience great grace. In the name of Jesus, there is a greater grace. And you know what? With greater grace comes greater manifestation of his presence. And that is where we are going. Look at the neighbor and say, that's where I'm going. Can we just do an exercise and call upon the name of the Lord? We have been looking at the word of his grace since. Can we just do an exercise and call upon the name of the Lord? If you can pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost. Blast in tongues. If you know that you have something that is facing you, say, Lord, give me grace to solve this problem. Lord, this thing that is standing in my life, release grace in this direction. Lord, release grace in this direction. That I may know you release grace in this direction. Barato Whatever the challenge is, call upon the name of the Lord today. You will not leave me nor forsake me, says your word. I will not be left alone in this state. I will not be left alone now. Not now. Not now. I will leave and declare the glory of the Lord. I am not dying. Ayana Katali Abarate, Ekotoparadia Gava, and Zuzia Kapa, Ekotoparadia Dek, like the Bosch Kevradida, Liberato Badia Kaba, Ambradia Kata, Liga Dabash Keba, Radekadia, Endalava Zuzia, Ekotoparadia Kediva, Lemparadia, Ekataparadia De, Ekataparadia De, Leklak the Bosch Kepradida, Radabalia Dadia. Hey, what I am facing will not kill me. Jenny Manana Karabosh Kevradida Valad. Hinkaradia Topariya Kadawash Kevradida. Take 